WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The Michigan Flywheelers Museum in South Haven will fire up the House of David steam-powered locomotive 902 next week after 50 years of inactivity. Museum President Pat Ingalls tells us the House of David had three trains that moved people around its property from the early 1900s to the 1970s. After they shut down, Merlin Hansen bought two of the trains, 902 and 903. 903 is on display at LMC's Hansen Technology Center, while Ingalls says 902 was donated to the Flywheelers Museum. They wanted something near to uh, Benton Harbor, but couldn't make it happen. And about 10 years ago, I believe, they had come and looked at our museum. And then a couple of years ago, they decided that we were the place to have it. Ingalls says the museum is working this past year to lay track for the one-fourth scale locomotive. That hasn't been easy, but they've now got about 2,100 feet of track, and they're going to start up the train next Thursday morning. That's not all they have planned. Future plans include a depot, roundhouse, and turntable, and a storage building for trains. Ingalls says the train is not licensed yet to carry passengers, so the public won't be able to get a ride next week. But anyone can come and watch a piece of history be reborn when the train starts to move. He advises arriving around 8 a.m. It's $10 to get into the museum. The Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy has scheduled a virtual hearing to consider a request from INDEC Energy Service in Niles to amend its air emissions permit. INDEC is seeking to change the permit to reflect the equipment that's actually on site. Eagle says the permit it's requesting would lower the emissions it's allowed to produce. INDEC asked for the amendment this summer, and Eagle started taking public comments in July. Due to a member of the public requesting it, the hearing has now been scheduled for September 6th at 6 p.m., You can register in advance to attend or just enter the virtual hearing at its scheduled time. We'll have a link to it at our website. U.S. News & World Report is out with its latest rankings of high schools around the country and placing at number 34 in the state of Michigan is Bridgman High School. Principal Gerald Heath tells us he got word of it this week. He says the school is committed to giving students as many opportunities as possible, whether they're headed to college, skilled trades training, or the military. Anytime we can get them ready for that next step in their lives, which is our job, and people recognize that outside of the people in our building, I think it's always good for the school and good to see that people are starting to see what we see in our kids every day. Heath says Bridgman High School encourages the kids to explore early opportunities. We have 70 kids in the class, and we have 10 to 12 of them going to early middle college. So we try to give them as many opportunities as possible, obviously, our size sometimes that's hard but ultimately that's what our job is is try to create opportunities Heath says the high ranking for the high school reflects the entire district meanwhile coming in at number 46 in michigan is saint joseph high school ranking 63rd is matawan high school placing 76th is new buffalo high school and coming in at 111 is lakeshore high school u.s news and world report considered 651 michigan high schools for its rankings Anyone who goes near the Gordie Howe International Bridge will notice a major change soon. Project leaders say the U.S. Tower has reached its full height. Here's Windsor Detroit Bridge Authority Vice President Heather Grondon. We're really excited to share with all of the community members and all of the travelers who are watching the construction of the Gordie Howe International Bridge that the last concrete pour on the U.S. Tower has been complete. So that means that our U.S. Tower has reached its full height of 722 feet. Grondon says the project is scheduled to be finished by the end of next year. The bridge over the Detroit River is a partnership between the state of Michigan and Canada to open up an additional crossing point between the state and Ontario. 
Allegan County Transportation is now operating seven propane-powered buses to help the county meet air quality standards. The move will also save taxpayer dollars with 50% savings on fuel and 70% on maintenance costs. The propane buses are 90% cleaner than the current EPA emissions standard, and the county says they better prepare them for additional national emissions requirements that will be implemented next year in 2027. Allegan County officials note the propane autogas is non-toxic, non-carcinogenic, and non-corrosive fuel that poses no harm to groundwater or the soil, and the EPA has classified it as a non-contaminant. And the South Haven Speaker Series will hear insights into the disparities of the health care provided in the U.S. when its next guest speaker appears this month. Randy Ustra has 40 years of health care leadership experience. He's earned a top spot on Modern Healthcare's 100 Most Influential People list for three years running, as well as a spot on Becker's Healthcare, a 100 Great Leaders to Know in Healthcare list this year. Ustra recently retired as the CEO of ProMedica, a nonprofit health and wellness system serving 28 states with 56,000 employees. He will address the South Haven Speaker Series on September 14th, starting at 7 p.m. at Lake Michigan College's South Haven campus. The title of his presentation will be American Healthcare, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, a call for a new model. You can learn more at southhavenspeakerseries.org. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwozhak, where furniture shopping is fun. Former President Donald Trump has entered a plea of not guilty to racketeering charges in his Georgia election fraud case. He's also waived his right to appear at his arraignment next week. Trump has repeatedly denied any wrongdoing and described the case as politically motivated. Trump and 18 other defendants are charged with conspiring to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. Here's ABC's Catherine Falders. I would expect more uh, to do this as well, to waive their right to uh, appear in court. They were originally going to do these in in 15-minute sections, if you will, one after the other, and that was all going to be on camera. I think uh, now that they don't need to appear uh, in person there, uh, you will start to see some more of those defendants waive their right to appear and, of course, enter their pleas uh, via court papers as well. A judge who sentenced the former organizer of the Proud Boys far-right extremist group to the second longest sentence among hundreds of Capitol riot cases says the January 6th attack trampled on an important American custom, certifying the Electoral College vote. U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly in Washington sentenced Ormond Beach, Florida resident Joseph Biggs on Thursday to 17 years in prison for spearheading the Capitol attack to try to keep Donald Trump in power after the Republican lost the 2020 election. Prosecutors wanted 33 years in prison for Biggs, who says he's not a terrorist. Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes got 18 years in his case. New York Governor Kathy Hochul and New York City Mayor Eric Adams are escalating their calls for the Biden administration to let asylum seekers be approved to join the workforce. Morph maybe sees Dave Packer. Let them work! Jobs are the first step to self-sufficiency for tens of thousands of migrants being sheltered in New York City. Mayor Eric Adams rallying Washington to expedite work visas. This is not a New York City issue. This is a national issue. Adams asking Americans to remember their own ancestors. Imagine where you would be when your parents, when your loved one, or you, uh, came uh, to this country and you were told that you could not pursue the American dream. The mayor says jobs in the city are waiting to be filled. Dave Packer, ABC News. Tropical Storm Adalia is heading back out to sea after leaving a trail of flooding and devastation around the southeast. Adalia was a major hurricane when it roared ashore Wednesday in a remote area of Florida, shredding homes and submerging streets. 
It weakened to a tropical storm but still carried 60-mile-an-hour winds when it reached coastal North Carolina. The storm damaged hundreds of homes in Georgia and caused the fifth-highest tide ever recorded in Charleston, South Carolina. Authorities have confirmed just one storm death so far, a man hit by a tree as he tried to cut down another tree in the road in Georgia. There's more outreach from the White House to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis following the hurricane. Here's ABC's Karen Travers. The White House says President Biden spoke with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis Thursday morning to tell him he signed a major disaster declaration for the state and ordered all available federal resources to help with the continued response to Tropical Storm Medallia. According to a readout of their call, the president reiterated that the people of Florida have his full support as they recover from the storm. Mr. Biden has spoken to DeSantis several times this week about storm preparations and recovery efforts. FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell is in Florida today and joining the governor to assess the damage and determine what the federal government can do to assist. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. A federal judge in Delaware has ordered prosecutors and defense attorneys to provide a status report regarding a felony gun charge against Hunter Biden. The judge said uh, today he wants the report by next Wednesday. Attorneys for the president's son have argued in court documents that a diversion agreement sparing him from prosecution on the gun charge is still in place. They've taken a position, even though the agreement was linked to a plea deal on misdemeanor tax charges against Biden in another district. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who has been under scrutiny for failing to disclose the luxury travel that he's accepted, is now making such travel public. More if maybe see Stephen Portnoy. His 2022 financial disclosure has Justice Clarence Thomas listing five private jet flights, courtesy of billionaire Harlan Crow. Thomas specifically says he flew private in May of last year to and from a keynote speech in Dallas because his security detail recommended that he not fly commercial after news leaked that the court was on the cusp of overturning Roe v. Wade. Explaining his failure to disclose previous luxury travel paid for by wealthy benefactors, Thomas's latest filing says he, quote, adhered to the then-existing judicial regulations as his colleagues had done. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. Authorities say at least 74 people have died in Johannesburg when a nighttime fire ripped through a five-story building that had been used by homeless people and squatters. An emergency services spokesperson said more than 50 others were injured in a blaze that broke out about 1 a.m. today. A local official said some of the people living in the building in South Africa's biggest city threw themselves out of windows to escape the flames and might have died then. There were 12 children among the dead, the youngest a one-year-old. The emergency services spokesperson said the death toll could increase. Witnesses say as many as 200 people or more may have been living in the building. And Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell appeared to freeze again at a news conference this week at his home state of Kentucky. McConnell was seen unable to answer a question about running for re-election and staring blankly for more than 30 seconds before aides came to his side. McConnell's team says that he was feeling lightheaded and he plans to return to Washington after the Labor Day holiday. It's not clear what McConnell's latest health hurdles are, but he suffered a concussion earlier this year after a fall. ABC's political contributor Rachel Bade says some GOP sources are telling her they're frustrated with the lack of transparency coming from the McConnell camp. I think the most noteworthy thing here is actually what we're not hearing from folks on Capitol Hill, and that is an explanation of what exactly is going on with McConnell's health. I mean, this is the second time in just a few weeks that he has had one of these episodes where he cannot move, and his office is still sort of chalking this up to lightheadedness and trying to paper over it, telling reporters, you know, he's out doing this and that. He did that fundraiser uh, after this episode. He talked to these people. He gave this speech, sort of acting like it's no big deal. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.